What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to, email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. All right. Took a while, but here we go. Raw recap, NXT recap. Look, there was a lot of mixed feelings on what happened on Raw. And I tell you what, I had I had some good Twitter back and forth with my man Justin Time 2011 and the great podcast main event marks and we talked about a couple things and one of them being this show being cut and paste and that was definitely the vibe for a while and then of course I do as I do I rewatched the show and all this double watching wrestling is really fucking with me because number one I'm spending too much time watching as we all do already but number two I'm starting to like things that maybe my first reaction I didn't or look too close into things that, you know, I, I usually wouldn't. So right off the bat, what I wanted to say about this show was in, in Raw itself, they actually did a great job of intertwining the stories that they segmented it up through the night. You know, they, they spent time with the Hurt Business, with Randy and Drew with Ray and Dom, with Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. They spent time over the entire episode figuring out where all of that stuff was going to lay out, and they they weaved how they got there together really well. So I think the issue that we all had with this episode is it's the same fucking characters, the same storyline. So we're not getting anything new at first glance so again like i said a couple episodes ago when you start your projection of a match or a situation at like a two this is going to be trash you're going to be underwhelmed on the overall but the way the night closed out on raw with that match between dominic and buddy murphy everybody kind of left on a high so that's a good thing that's definitely a good thing so raw was trending in the right direction when it ended I think we're we're a little tired of all the storylines they laid out. But if you go back and watch, which I know a lot of you won't, which is which is more than fine. Uh, I'm here to tell you if if you just took the ride of the show, it was done outstanding. They weaved together the next level of each story perfectly, absolutely perfectly. You know, like they do in the soap operas and shit. You know, that's this. Storylines happening, that storyline's happening, that storyline's happening, back to the first one. And they kept doing that, but it wasn't too formulaic where you kind of got tired of it uh, during the show. Now, we, again, we're tired of the storylines, but that's something different. So the first storyline they gave us of the night was a continuation of the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre situation. And I don't really like how they're still throwing Keith Lee in here. You know, you can give him something separate unless the ultimate goal is to give him the title. But you still don't actually need to put his face where it is right now. I would I would prefer see when Randy Orton goes and I got a match later tonight. Make him sparring sessions. Make him tune-up matches with with enhancement talent that, you know, okay, Randy knows he needs to beat Drew by doing this, so he's working on that. And we see that kind of character. Not him against the next top guy. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me 
to bastardize a match that, and I'll get into that a little later too, bastardize a match of something that could be, you know, damn near epic. You know, but the show's starting off with Randy cutting a promo and, and us trying to, you know, buy into whatever the, the Viper situation is happening right now. And, and Drew comes out with an ambulance. And I tell you, first funniest thing about it, or the only funny thing about it, is that Scott Steiner was trending. And when it went off, I was like, fuck, whose music is that? I know, this ain't Dean Ambrose coming back with the gas mask on. And then I was on Twitter, and, and sure enough, Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner was trending because that's his entrance music. And it would have been hysterical, hysterical had he come out. Uh, and then, of course, everybody doing you know, their own memes and shit on Twitter about it. That's that's a good one to, um, to look into, all the Scott Steiner memes and shit. And shout out to RayBTwin91 on Twitter. When WWE on Fox posted what's the top five WCW wrestlers of all time, this dude put out Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner as his top five. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal answer. But anyway, enough about Scott Steiner. The obvious tone between myself and Main Event Marks on this one was that it's going to be an ambulance match. Uh, at Class of Champions. And look, we like to go along for the ride. We like being told stories. We also hate when it's super obvious. Uh, we never, and I say we as wrestling fans. I don't know what main event, main event Mark's take is on this. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, I don't like it to be obvious. I don't like it to, to be tit for tat. I hate 50-50 booking. You know, I hate the fact that the term 50-50 booking is there. Because Raw was pure example of it. You know, Randy got three punts in on Drew McIntyre and sent them away in an ambulance. On last week's episode of Raw, and then on this week's episode of Raw, Drew McIntyre came back in that ambulance, got three Claymores on Randy, and sent him out on an ambulance. Legit 50-50 booking. The only thing that hasn't happened is Randy hasn't won his title, which should have happened. You know, we'll kind of see how that goes, but like I said before, them getting to the point where Drew actually landed the three kicks was done well. Throughout the night, they planted seeds. Drew was still around. Randy was occupied with the match, not paying attention. Throughout the night, three kicks landed. It wasn't like when Randy did it to Drew and it all happened in one shot. And then the last one later. So I do think it was done well. I just think the story is not what we're looking for. And by we, I definitely mean myself on that one. The other one they did a pretty good job, again, weaving the story in throughout the night, was the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business even started out on screen with something that happened earlier in the day. And it trailed all the way through the night. Myself, Main Event Marks, and, and Just In Time, 211, went back and forth on this whole situation, you know, with... Apollo, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, and the Hurt Business, for my money, it's it's played out. It's done. We're, we're, we're past that. But the new wrinkle in this is that Cedric Alexander is going to wrestle Ricochet and Apollo Crews, and then maybe Mustafa Ali comes back up. But there's no new wrinkle into what the Hurt Business is doing because it's still the same six guys in this storyline. How do we keep it going with the the new four members and make it different? Plus, 
Just like when Shayna Baszler and I got together, I'm sorry, you don't beat me up and then I become your friend. Now, there was a funny take that it was a beat-in, you know, but I, it's not a beat-in. He got beat up the last couple weeks and then decided to join. And he said he decided to join because when he was with Apollo, he was propping him up and not getting paid. And now with the Hurt Business, he's going to get paid. You still don't want the spotlight for yourself as a wrestler? I don't understand that. So I don't understand how they got to this point. I don't mind it. I don't mind Cedric Alexander being there. But I don't know why we went this way to get there. How do you not get there any other way? Why, why do you go around? It's like the NWO did. If you, if you got beat up by the NWO on Monday the 10th, Monday the 17th, you're joining the NWO. That's what happened. Now look, I'm all for the Hurt Business growing in numbers. I think it'll be great. If it doesn't get overblown, if they don't have more than maybe six, right? Add like two, maybe three more. If they do that, you're looking at a solid faction that can do some real damage. And what would it take to tear them down? Unfortunately, they're growing the same time Retribution is. Actually, since I brought up Retribution, let's let's segue that into what we got for the night. So, <laughs> where WWE seemed to mess up big fucking time is put people we like in front of us. Me and at Bill underscore Michaels underscore noticed Mia Yim in a second. I'm sure a lot of you guys did. In no disparaging way, Mia Yim has eyes that I will always recognize. That's they're they they're catching. Okay, they pull you in. So when you not only that, not only that, Mia Yim, you know what she does? She comes out in a backwards hat and a bandana above her nose. So guess what you're used to seeing first on Mia Yim? So why would you put her front and center? So anyway, the consensus seems to be that Mia Yim was there. Also, <laughs> the last time we seen Dominic Dijakovic, it's been forever. A lot of us who watch NXT on the regular really enjoy him. Another one whose gimmick, I don't know, says, feast your eyes. And he points at his eyes, so you notice his eyes. And in this promo, besides all the martial arts-like arm thrust when he was emphasizing his points, you were seeing his eyes. That one, I believe, was 100% across the board on Twitter. Everyone believes that Dominic Dijakovic was the one cutting the tail end of the promo. You know, look, you can't give us wrestlers we like that we get to see. You have to give us something that we haven't seen. Now, if this was just for promo purposes, the way Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, and Charlotte were used for Triple H's sidekicks in WrestleMania 30, then that's fine. Let it be just promo cutting and and dismiss it, right? Say that they're not part of Retribution. Those were druids, per se. Because if we get a reveal, and it is them, it's going to be underwhelming. Because we already saw them. And the whole shtick behind Retribution is we don't know who it is. And we hype ourselves up to who it is. Again, if you reveal Dijakovic, it's going to be like, oh, cool, he's called up to the main roster. Not this Retribution. It's Retribution from what? He lost to Keith Lee a bunch and now Keith Lee's a fucking star. Mia Yim, Retribution against what? She didn't get her title shot the way she feels? Like... 
okay, but she's still always in fantastic matches, high-profile situations when it comes to NXT. Now, if there's, you know, someone like, I don't know, uh, Mercedes Martinez, it would, I'm just, because I'm watching NXT while I do this. Look, if she's part of it, and it's one of those, I've been on the indies for 20 years, and you overlooked me, and her first match out of Retribution is a title shot, and she wins, that's Retribution, right? That gives it some weight. But when we see people like Mia Yim not necessarily fail, but for the purpose of the storyline, fail in NXT, and Dijakovic fail in NXT, then you can't, they're not, there's no retribution against anything. You know, if the, lead, if the leader of retribution is Ronda Rousey, because Becky Lynch beat her but didn't beat her, that makes sense, right? But it doesn't make sense to do that now because Becky Lynch is out. So, you the title retribution, which they finally got a placard, I guess you can say, a logo, so to speak, you know, a nice looking bumper sticker, and we got a promo. There's there's more depth. Now, I heard another podcast talk about how they've been branded raw specific. So that takes a lot of steam out of what retribution was doing before, and making it raw specific makes it a gimmick problem what I have being raw specific is that it's the Hurt Business's territory right now. So you have two what would necessarily be heel factions doing whatever they want. How do you how do you make retribution of importance? Do they go after Drew McIntyre? Do they go after the tag titles? Do they go after the woman's title? Like are they gonna go after Bobby Lashley? I would hope not because you want to keep the factions separate. To build up two storylines at once, you would think, right? So we'll see where this goes. Hopefully we get a little bit more legs next Monday because uh, it wasn't much, just the one promo. I actually don't want to see them do another promo next week. I would like to see some action from them. And I'm thinking it's going to come in the Asuka-Mickey James match. Asuka-Mickey James did a tag team match this week against Lana and Natty. Which, again, I'm liking Lana and Natty together for some reason. I don't know what it is. But whatever that attraction is needs to be met with the wrestling. The wrestling needs to come up to that level. It's it's almost there, but it's still too... I like doing this better than that. And that's no fault of anyone's. It's just the maturation of what they're doing. But I would like to see them do better. Anyway... Mickey James and Asuka are wrestling each other next week. And I think it's a good time for Retribution to set their sights on something specific. That being the women's title. If the women's title becomes their first target, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, maybe send Asuka back over to SmackDown or not. I don't know. I guess I don't want Asuka to get fucked with, man. There's so, so many different ways this can go. But I would like to see Retribution do something of importance. Uh, it can't be, it can't lack importance because then it's just a waste of time. So another storyline that they put around, you know, a lot on the show that might, might be going somewhere, might not. It's the KO Alistair Black in the Raw Underground. You know, they, they kind of set it up beforehand that it was taking place on Raw Underground. So the intrigue is there. Got to see what that looks like. KO shows up a little bit before the 10 o'clock hour at Raw Underground, goes in. 
And Aleister Black, when they cut back the second time, a little bit after 10, is kicking ass in the middle of the ring before KO shows up. And they're like, where's KO? Made no sense. He went in before Shane. Shane's on the mic, all that shit. But Aleister Black in shorts, tattoos exposed, ended up ripping the eye patch off. Like, Aleister Black's legit, intimidating, pure striker, knows martial arts, is is somebody who needs to be taken seriously very soon. Uh, I want to see really good things for him. But they did like a, um, you know, round one, round two, round three kind of thing. And the only thing that shocked me is that there wasn't anything like real major going on in those rounds. You know, it was just kind of them feeling each other out and neither one of them looking like a punk. But then it ended uh, a round three with Dabakato knocking out both of them. And if that means that Dabakato is going to get in the ring, then okay, that's kind of the opposite of what Raw Underground was perceived to be. This is a place outside the ring where we can get down. Now, does Dabakato take them on one-on-one, or is this a two-on-one situation forcing KO and Alistair to tag? And again, if they do another, you know, I'm not mad at you anymore. Let's help each other fight. I, I, I'm Come on, man. Get creative. It's called a creative department. You know what I mean? Do it. But I would I would like to see the KO Alistair stuff take off and, and go into a solos run direction where either one of them, you know, comes out on the back end challenging for the title. But I don't do fantasy booking because there's too many wrestlers and there's too many ways to do it. That's why, though, I get pissed off when we get the lazy stuff like the same six guys dealing with this Hurt Business storyline. Yes, it puts six guys on TV at one time, but what about the rest of the roster that's still not getting on TV? And honestly, the bulk of the roster that doesn't get on TV is the tag team division. Look, I was talking with Justin Time. 211 again and he had mentioned something about the tag teams and I said name one you know of course I was being sarcastic but I was like the the, the division doesn't exist and we landed on a list of tag teams of recent memory and the New Day two of three which are not on TV the Usos where one is not on TV and the other half is in the title scene Ziggler and Rude who Ziggler's around, but where's Bobby Roode? The Viking Raiders, where one just got hurt. You know, shout out to Ivar. Hopefully your neck's good. Uh, Cervical can mean a lot of things, but hopefully he's straight. Uh, AOP got released. So there's the tag team. Lucia House Party, which Justin brought up, but I didn't because they were just teasing that they were going to break up. That I didn't even think they were together. And then the last two are Miz and Morrison and Heavy Machinery. Which Miz and Morrison haven't been portrayed as an in-ring tag team since they lost the titles. And Heavy Machinery just got back together. So what's up with the rest of the tag team division? What's up with, you know, Street Profits and Cesaro and Nakamura and everyone else? Where's everyone else? Now, I'm down for Shinsuke and Cesaro because what they did when they showed up against the Street Profits wasn't bad and to be two guys where English isn't their first language or the American dialect of English isn't the way they speak 
it was entertaining and pretty funny on, as far as the entertaining aspect goes. And the Nakamura's facial expressions and doing the we want the smoke and it's good stuff. But they, that's that's your two champions. So where's the rest of the division? Where's the rest of the division? When are we going to see it? You know, how do we get our tag team division back? Now, I will say this much, though. I did read the statement from Vince to all the wrestlers about the third-party platforms. And when I read it, I understood what was happening. He wants Alexa Bliss to stay on WWE TV. But it seems like Alexa Kaufman can do whatever she wants. You know, uh, Xavier Woods is part of the New Day, but Austin Creed is doing his thing. But when Austin Creed does his thing, he can't have, you know, uh, Alexa Bliss on. He can have Alexa Kaufman on, from my understanding of it. And part of what he said in the letter was to... Part of what he said in the letter for the reason behind it was keeping the character true. I'm paraphrasing. Keeping the characters true to television for the, for the new direction of the company going forward. Now, if that, if that is why what we're getting looks the way it looks, because things are going to change. I, I heard... Rumors through other podcasts about uh, a draft coming up. Uh, the thing with Shinsuke Nakamura, the Cesaro and the Street Profits being a quarterly cross-brand invitational, whatever they're making up now. Better than the wild card, but still, you know, how does that even work, the quarterly invitational? Who gets the invite to SmackDown? How many invites do you get per invitational? Um, all in all, though, the tag team division is actually suffering a lot worse than I, I had thought. You know, I thought we had the Viking Raiders in our back pockets. I thought we just had more teams around, and we don't. So hopefully this COVID thing really clears some fucking shit up. But not even, what about the wrestlers who are available? Let's get those tag team going. Like I was saying, I think Apollo and Ricochet is actually a really good tag team. Let's pursue that, you know. Maybe have Sami Zayn get rid of the IC mess and team up with KO for tag titles. Something. But again, like I was saying about the whole iconic situation, instead of taking two superstars and putting them together, you have two people who are tag teams. That's what we still need. We need people who are legit tag teams to go after it. And we just don't have that. So hopefully that clears up soon because, you know, tag team wrestling has always been a really entertaining part of what we watch as fans. And to not really have a tag division, you know, hopefully it, it fills up pretty soon. Speaking of divisions needing to fill up soon, though, uh, the women's division. The women's division has to come back. There's, there's something completely wrong. They split up the Iconics last week. They give them a title match on TV this week. They give them a singles match on TV this week, and it was trash. Told you, I'm one of the biggest advocates for women's wrestling, and I just I can't support something like this. It needs to go back to them two being together, or it needs to be Billy Kay as Peyton Royce's hype man. But there was something about what they did in the ring that made zero sense. 
Now, when they wrestle as a tag team, they pander to the crowd. They talk shit to the other opponent. The pauses between the match. The moves they do are okay. They're not, you know, spectacular, but they are good wrestlers. But against each other, they ain't shit. It, will, it looks so bad. And all I wanted to see was them two back together. They both had their own music. They both had new new outfits. It just wasn't it. It was not it, you know? And then you have the Asuka Mickey segment, and they're going to be wrestling for a title next week. Is there going to be a new challenger by Clash of Champions? You know, and then the Riot Squad versus Shayna and Nia. Now, look, I, I like... Listen, I'll, I'm not going to sound like a hypocrite here, or I, I might, but it, this isn't a hypocritical take. The handicap matches worked for what it should have worked for. You have what seems like the next challengers for the tag team belts in the women's division going up against the champions. And in the first match, they won. But how did they win? You saw the Riot Squad working as a unit, getting their groove together, but Shayna wasn't paying them no mind. Shayna was trying to impress Nia and their relationship and how it's fractured and what's going on between the two of them. When you have that, they're now not actually wrestling each other. The Riot Squad is working out their kinks against their opponent, and Shayna's fully distracted. I thought it was done really well. And by Shayna losing from roll-up, a weak one, it was a weak roll-up, you saw that they're still fractured as a, a unit, Shayna and Nia, but you saw the Riot Squad doing what it takes to get the victory as a team. And then when the match transitioned into Nia, same thing. They worked together as a unit. Nia didn't get off a shit ton of dominance. And I was a little shook in the beginning, like, okay, we now have powerful and powerful versus tiny and tiny. They're going to get their ass kicked. And they didn't let that happen. So it was done really, really, really well. And it'll be cool to see them get the next title shot and hopefully be able to show the same effort against Shayna and Nia as tag teams. So when the Riot Squad faced the two of them, the Riot Squad works together as a team. They they get in position properly to win. And hopefully that happens. Hopefully we get that story. But everything else, it's we're lacking so much. So I'm hoping through that Vince email that he sent out to the staff about third-party platforms, about the company going in, in the next direction, hopefully that's something that shows face very, very very soon. I'll actually wait the extra three weeks to get to Clash of Champions because you got to finish telling the Drew and Randy story. You got to show me who all the championship contenders are and 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 make it count. And if you can make it count by Clash of Champions, you know, I think we're in, in a good place. The last thing I want to touch on that didn't get much mentioned so far was the Ray and Dominic and the whole Mysterio family thing. This is the last storyline that took place in the night and it was also one that they threaded through the entire episode. Now look, when the Mysterio family came out into the ring, I turned to the wife and I said, hey, this, he's going to fucking retire. Why else would they have the whole family in the ring? And I said, you know what? Good on him. Got the torn tricep. He's watching his son do outstanding matches. What more could he ask for? What more could he want? And I guess wrestlers die young or broken. So fuck, man. Uh, if Ray's going to keep going, he's going to keep going. That's on him. As they threaded it through the night on what was going to happen, we get to the match, and again, you know, 
Bubba said it, and now that's all I see is Buddy Murphy's carrying Dominic to these fantastic matches. But what I need to see, and I think a lot of people agree, uh, is, is now for Dominic to move on and wrestle some other guys and either fail on, on purpose of failing because they can't, he can't be carried the entire way, or show us that he really has something and he can work a match kind of with anyone, not, not just people who are going to make sure that he's well taken care of the whole way. Uh, but it would give him time to grow. It would allow him to to learn from mistakes. Because, I mean, right now he's in the ring with uh, Cruiserweight Champion for a long time. Uh, Seth Rollins has held every belt. And his dad's got his back 100%. And, you know, it's a little bit different when you're out there on your own island. So I would like to see that happen. But I think the the move heard around the world was that sliding sunset bomb into the table. And, again, shout out to Buddy Murphy. I'm not going to pick it apart, but, you know, I'll break the glass for you. Uh, if you if you go back and watch, you can see Murphy waiting for Dom to get all the way over and then throw himself into the table. And as much as everybody loved the move, there you go. That's Murphy doing what Murphy does. Uh, so, But, again, great match. Great match. Like I said, if I'm a kid, Dominic's my favorite wrestler, and it's not even close. He's so fun. He looks young enough. To make you feel like you can be him, you know, if you're a young person. So, you know, again, good good on them for having that match. I mean, that honestly what it does is it kind of puts Murphy in the legend status, you know. Puts him in that, hopefully in, in the back or however you guys talk about it. You know, it gives Murphy more screen time against other people. Put him in a better spot for IC titles or, or even main titles. That, you know, all that would be. So, look, that's about all my takes on Raw. I don't really feel like any of them were terrible. If I had terrible wrestling takes, please tell me. I'm going to give it a little bit of a pause break, catch up on everything NXT, and catch you on the other side of the transition. And now a transition of just me and the cricket until the next part of the episode begins. This could be an ad, but I'm not that popular yet. At least it's only 15 seconds of my voice and a cricket. Okay. So let's pick it back up. NXT time. Listen, I'll tell you, this was one of the best NXTs we had in a long time. And I think it's because they kept it simple. You know, I could have done without the Candice LeRae, Gargano way thing going on. But it's something different. And, you know, you give something different a shot. But after this episode, I don't don't need to see inside their house anymore. The show starts off with a banger. Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Now, I tell you, last week, I still hold true to this. Do not give me an Iron Man match if you're going to force me to watch next week. And I'll tell you this, dead honest, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would have never watched the show. I would not have watched the show because I felt like they were positioning me to be forced to watch the show. I I just always hate when that happens. On this particular show, though, we got some just explosive, awesome shit. But I'll tell you this, though. For what I saw out of Finn and Cole, it was awesome, but it wasn't a classic. It wasn't, you know, that takeover top three match of the year. I think what this was, was the beginning of what that match of the year will be. Because I think when they really do get it going, uncut, no commercials, no bullshit, takeover match, they'll be match of the year. Their chemistry is undeniable. Their respect for each other and the business is outstanding. I mean, they they were on 
fire. I got to go back and check. They said it was the first time that the coup de grace ever been kicked out of. I'm pretty sure it was bastardized on the the main roster, but I, that doesn't even bother me. Um, and I tell you too that the commentary between Wade Barrett, Vic Joseph, and Beth Phoenix is getting a little bit better. I'm sure next week it'll be better than it was this week. You know, it, it was what we needed. We needed an uninterrupted, pay attention to me NXT episode that lit us on fire. And last week was good. This week was great. NXT really did their thing. Again, the Cole-Finn match was one of the better uh, championship matches we've seen this year during the COVID era. But I tell you, again, I I really think they have a lot more left in the tank to show us. And it was weird that we didn't see him embrace Undisputed Era at all. And I'd like to think that was just an oversight for the episode. I don't think anything's going to happen out of that. Again, congrats to Finn Balor. I picked in the Twitter poll of whoever put it up there that, you know, I felt Finn was going to win. I think it's the right choice. I think he's the most charismatic guy that can have it at this point to bring people in. Like, yes, Adam Cole has more charisma, but there's nobody you want to see wrestle more than Finn Balor. And when he talks about his opponent, there's no one else you want to see uh, wrestle that next day. So I think Finn Balor is a great choice. I would like to see a couple people before Cole but if it's the Survivor Series takeover weekend and it's Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, I ain't mad at it. We got a little teaser from the Robert Stone brand and Aaliyah of Shotzi Blackheart getting attacked, bumping into EO, taking Aaliyah out to the ring, beating her down. Shotzi didn't want to give EO her title back. I'm with it. I'm with it. Shotzi standing next to EO looks like a champion. And I think she can put on a good enough match to make you feel like she can win the title from EO. But EO's so damn good. So we'll see what happens there. You know, with the Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox stuff, they were both vying for a title opportunity. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen sometime soon. So we'll see where this EO Shirai Shotzi Blackheart thing goes but you know as as that goes and this this is what the main roster needs to take from you have EO Shirai stumbling into a Shotzi Blackheart feud and you have Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox on the heels in their own feud that once that feud breaks up you're thinking maybe that's where the next title contender comes from that's the kind of shit we need on Raw and Smackdown show us the lineage of where we're going you know, back in the day, we had that uh, IC champ was the gatekeeper to the next title reign. If you can have a run with the IC title, then you can have a run with the big belt. Now, in that same context, instead of having the belt, tell the story the same way. This person, that person doing their thing, next thing you know, they're the number one contender. I think that's how that should play out. I mean, it, it kind of worked for Keith Lee and Dijakovic, right? They They got through their feud all of a sudden. They were put in position to win a title, and you're like, yep, that makes sense. So I'm down for Shotzi versus EO. I'm down for Candice versus Tegan. I'm a big fan of both. I think they can really, uh, again, help bolster this women's division that seems to be strong in NXT, and they're still trying to figure out on the main roster. The Velveteen Dream came back for a singles match. Look, I saw on Twitter the whole hashtag, Fire Velveteen, 
And I'm not going to get into that because it's not a space where I want to look into what all that stuff is. What I will say is I will watch the show that's put in front of me and commentate on that. If they're not around afterwards, I won't commentate on why they're not around because I'll know. But if they're on TV, I'll say what I saw and what I liked and disliked. So terrible wrestling take is I don't get involved in that. It's not that I don't care. It's that I don't get involved. If you guys are successful in Fire Velveteen because he he is a bad guy and it turns out that he is a bad guy, then okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys helped with that. Um, but people are trying to cancel Matt Riddle and he came out in the open about everything. And turns out that the lady was lying. And Enzo Amore got into some trouble. Lady was lying. And had I had a podcast then, I'd have ripped him a new one. Because perception of what happened. So, again, things came out. I, I didn't dig into it because it does nothing for me in the podcast. The Adonis that Velveteen wrestled actually looks like he's got some steam to him. I want the guy to be in NXT and be a superstar. He'd be really entertaining to watch but the big point of having dream on the show was to have Kushida come back and for those of you who didn't recognize him he usually rocks the back to the future to marty mcfly gear kishida has been missed it gives them more depth it, it gives them also somebody who's going to put on matches look just fucking phenomenal because the guy is really good my guy bronson reed the colossal you knew Austin Theory was going to bring wrestling to Bronson Reed, but I didn't think we expected Bronson Reed to bring the wrestling back to him. I mean, he, he basically looks like somebody said, drop everything that can be associated with Goofy, turn up the intensity, nothing silly, no bullshit, you're the colossal. Be big, be an animal. And he is. And I believe it. You know, I know he's short for his size, but he's thick. No pun, because it doesn't exist anymore. He's athletic, and he's fucking strong. And I think they did a great job of the repackage. It gives him a really good presence in the ring. I had tweeted out that what what happened on NXT was something pretty special that we were seeing with Bronson Reed. And I think as long as he stays in NXT, he's going to continue to be special. We're on the upswing. It's, it's going to be good for Bronson Reed pretty soon. And I'm here for it. I, I completely dig what I see. And it seems like the only other thing to really talk about is the goddess of all women's wrestling for the rest of time, Rhea Ripley. I have been the biggest Rhea Ripley fan. When she came back to the Mae Young Classic, and I'll admit it, in Mae Young Classic 1, I was all about Tony Storm. I was all about Piper Niven. I remember Rhea Ripley, but she looked exactly like she changed from. She looked like she was the, this is what the tall girl on the basketball team is supposed to look like. You know, she was packaged in this high school athlete way that didn't make sense. So I didn't buy into her. When she showed up in the second Mae Young Classic, I fell in wrestling love. I said, this girl has something. I remember her, but I don't remember her like this. And she went the fuck off. She did everything amazing and has not stopped. I put out on Twitter, there is not one wrestler, age for age, gender for gender, on Rhea Ripley's level right now. As of this podcast, she is 23 years old. She will be 24 in October, according to Wikipedia. 
she is doing things in a ring that people with 20 years experience are doing. The way she sells, she gets into her maneuvers, the way she carries opponents physically, the way she puts her body in position to take bumps. Like it is an art form that she has mastered at such a young age. She is 15 years younger than Asuka, 16 years younger than Mercedes Martinez. She is about five steps behind Asuka in performance. She is every level of a performer as Mercedes Martinez. And Mercedes Martinez can fucking go. When when she was on the first Mae Young Classic, I was like, oh shit, she's really fucking good. Looked up her age. Oh shit, she's like 35, 36. Why isn't she in WWE? She came into the second one. I was like, oh, there's my girl, Mercedes Martinez. Like, let's go. And, you know, she didn't win, of course. And it was like, man, hopefully she comes to WWE. And she's here now, and I fucking love it. And I got one of my personal dream matches. Rhea Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez in a fucking steel cage for the first time they fight. And all those people who bitch, it's for steel cages for a, a blow-off of a feud. Nah, this was the match. It was the match of the night. It was the match of the week. It was the match of the month. It was the best women's match of quarantine. Um, it was—I mean, it wasn't match of the year. It was—I'm—I'm—I'm just—I'm just hyped because I, I fucking loved it. It was a fantastic match. It was so fun. It was drama, drama, drama. Mercedes actually looked like she had a chance to win. Rhea doing the ripcord from the top rope. I mean, and and the smarts on the presentation. She drives her through the table with the riptide, pushes her through the mess to pin her properly. I mean, this 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 woman is so smart at wrestling. I am the biggest supporter. When all this Charlotte shit was happening, and I'm not a Charlotte guy whatsoever, I told my wife, I said, you know what's going to end up happening? Charlotte's going to have the best match of her career against Rhea Ripley. And they're all going to give Charlotte the credit. And this is like a year ago. I said this. She goes, why? I said, because Rhea Ripley is the size of Charlotte. And Charlotte has a problem delivering punishment to people smaller than her that seem more frail than her. Now, she delivered it to Rhonda. She has a hard time giving it to Sasha, okay? I knew when Rhea and Charlotte would get in the ring, Charlotte would not pull back. And it's because Rhea can take it. But I also knew that if you bring it to Charlotte, she can sell it. And Rhea brings it. That Charlotte-Rhea match was 50-50. Dream matchup for me, Rhea and Ronda, Rhea and Becky, Rhea and Asuka. That's it. That's it. That's all I want to see. I want to see Rhea on the level of these women get her dues done now. She is the best. The best. Age for age gender-for-gender gender wrestler on the planet right now. Yes, Randy is doing great work. He's also 41 or 42, whatever it is, 39. I don't care. He's way older than her. Asuka is doing awesome. Best women's wrestler on the planet. Okay, she's pushing 40 as well. The only person close to her age is MJF. Same age bracket, main eventing. His promo skills are up. But his work in the ring ain't as tight as Reyes. His ability inside the ropes is not as tight as Reyes. And I'll put that up against anyone. Anyone. There's no one at 24 who's touching what she's doing. 
So, Terea, you are on your way to being the GOAT. It is just that simple. If anyone who doesn't appreciate what Rhea Ripley does, you will never understand women's wrestling. And like I said a couple podcasts ago, women's wrestling is wrestling. It's just as much wrestling as men's wrestling. And the shit Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez did was awesome. The future is brighter for Rhea Ripley than anyone else. If I had my choice right now, she'd be in the Hall of Fame. It's that simple. And I'm not speaking out of school. I'm not. There's no way I'm speaking out of school. There's not many women. There's not many men who can put on the matches that Rhea Ripley can. No offense to Iconics, but their match was dirt. It was a negative 12 stars compared to what Rhea and Mercedes did. And what they did wasn't even the top notch of what they could have done too. So imagine if they get an opportunity to just go all out. And they kind of did, but you can tell that they're restricted a bit because it's on regular TV. You know, it, it, it was it was awesome. And, and I'm here for all of it. And who knows what's going to happen going forward. Like I said in the Royal Ep- you know, maybe Mercedes Martinez is a part of Retribution. Maybe not. I know Rhea isn't. She fucking better not be. But what's what's next for the two of them if they had their, their big match at the end of this? You know, are they going to go to hell in a cell so nobody can get involved? Are they going to have War Games teams against each other? And speaking of War Games, when the women's War Games match happened and Rhea was the captain, that was her, like, babyface turn out of nowhere. If you guys aren't familiar, Tegan Knox tore both her ACLs in a match against Rhea Ripley in the Mae Young Classic, the second one. Fucking Rhea Ripley dressed up as Tegan Knox with the crutches and everything for Halloween. Rhea gets heel. She knows heel. She is a heel. But unlike some others, she can do both perfectly. She is 23 and fully understands who she is as a wrestler, as a performer. And that's what we need from everybody across the board. If they turn Rhea heel tomorrow, she'll be the best women's heel in the company. If she continues down this face path, believe it, she's still best women's wrestler in the company. I want to send a special shout out to at Kristen Ashley on Twitter. She's of Bell to Bells. The second Bells is B-E-L-L-E-S dot com. She tweeted, KO gets off the ground like I do. And I thought it was hysterical because I know that feeling. But I looked into what she does and, you know, she covers, along with some others, women's wrestling thoroughly and is a champion for women's wrestling. And I think the more word gets out, the bigger support they'll get. And I know women's wrestling is on a real upswing, but I hope people like Kristen Ashley and everyone at Bell to Bells really helps continue the movement of this high-quality women's wrestling we get. So I wanted to send a shout-out to them. Also, shout-out to everyone who I interacted with on Twitter before these episodes. Again, my man Justin Time, 211, uh, the good people over at Main Event Marks Podcast, uh, Newcomer. Bill underscore Michaels underscore. Shout out to you again for the Mia Yim take. It's uh, it's always fun interacting with you guys during the show. It helps get some banter going, spark some ideas for the podcast, so keep them coming. So with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Don't forget to follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to check out my pinned tweet to leave voicemails with all your terrible takes. Shoot me an email at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. These have been Terrible Wrestling Takes, and I'm the bishop of them.
Until next time.